Hi, good afternoon, everybody. This is Camille Sams, your Zen Lender, and I'm joined here today with my co-host, James Martin III with DG Financial Partners. And this is number three in our 12-part series about how to optimize your financial health. And today we're going to talk about establishing a budget and how to develop the discipline to stick with it. Uh, but we wanted to kind of recap a little bit about where we left off last week. So, uh, James, you had some points you wanted to make sure we got in for this week. Yes, thank you very much. And good afternoon, everyone. We're excited to be with you once again, as we were having some comments last week about credit and paying interest in those types of things. One of the comments that we wanted to make sure that was included as we began this week was the fact that wealthy people earn interest and the rest of us pay interest. And that's one of the big separators or one of the big things that differentiates the two. So we need to make sure that we're based on last week's episodes and some of the things that we'll cover today as well, understanding the significance and benefit and value of earning interest as opposed to paying interest, especially when it comes to, for example, a high interest rate credit card and just making sure we're putting ourselves in as favorable a position as possible when it comes to interest and taking advantage of the power of compound interest, which is uh, known by some as the eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And to that point, I think one of the reasons why it was really important to come back and reemphasize that very key point of wealthy people earn interest and people who are struggling are paying interest. And certainly one of the big takeaways that we want to emphasize is we want to shift from paying so much in interest to earning interest. For those who have a lot of credit cards, a lot of people don't really appreciate how much they're paying in interest. There was a credit card campaign a couple of years ago that tried to hit home. They were advertising their lower interest rates, but they were emphasizing, you know, somebody who bought a dress, a woman who bought a dress that may have been a hundred bucks. And she said, oh, this is great. You know, I got this dress for a hundred dollars and it's only going to cost me, you know, $130 over five years to pay off. And so when you add that up when you obviously more than a hundred dollars, you know, a lot of people have several thousand dollars in credit card debt and you're yes. adding that up. Like you said, the compound interest over time on a monthly basis. I mean, one of the examples I've put together is, you know, it could be three or $400 per month that you're spending mm. just in interest payment, just in interest. Ouch. Yeah. And I know, you know, like I talk about this often, it's one thing to explain it and to talk to other people about it, but it's something else when you experience it firsthand. For myself, at the beginning of the pandemic, I began to make that switch, you know, a lot of that discretionary spending, rather be mm -hmm. getting my hair done. I wasn't a big consistently going to get my nails done all the time, but, you know, still I had a lot more spending, the kids at the barbershop and what have mm -hmm. you. And so I shifted the use of that money over into paying down my credit cards and it was a huge eye opener to see I went from paying $115 one month in interest down mm -hmm. to like $20 in interest because I had paid off so much of my credit card. And again, I can talk about this all day long. I can give you scenarios. But until for me personally, it showed up on my own credit card statement. It hit home. I was like, 
oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, that was one credit card. Yeah, and that's one of the other great things about us doing this is being able to share with the listeners our, our transparency with examples mm-hmm. just like that. And we're, we're, we're doing the things that we're educating you all on. And it's, uh, it's, it's so powerful to have that, that transfer of information and sharing that information. Absolutely. So diving into creating a budget on the last section in number two, we talked about your debt consolidation and that's where you sat down and you wrote down all of your bills or put them on a spreadsheet. And now you have a clear understanding of what goes out every month, what your credit card bills are. If you still have student loans, you know what your student loans are. If you have a mortgage, you know what your mortgage is, any installment, car payment, personal loans, things of that nature. And that even includes if you are obligated you know, if you if you've promised you you know your your parents or something that you're going to help them out 250 bucks every month, kids mm-hmm. allowance, you know whatever it is, all of that stuff that's in there. So now you have an idea. Okay, what goes out every month? Now you got to wrap your head around what comes in. Now is the time to sit down, look at your paycheck, understand what your take home is. Um, and you know, I'm in a unique situation because. Even though I'm not self-employed, as a loan officer, I receive both um, a base salary, which is really low. It's basically minimum wage. Um, So I get a base salary, plus I have my commission. And therefore, my income fluctuates. So some months I'm making more money. Other months I'm making less money. So it's really important for someone in my situation, let's just say in sales in general, uh, Mm -hmm. who, you know, works on commission or somebody who might be reliant on overtime, a certain number of of, amount of overtime. Um, If you have any type of variable income uh, that you're dependent on, you know, above your base salary, you're really going to want to make sure that you have that budget because on those leaner months, you're going to make sure that you prepare for that uh, when you have those fatter months, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so, um, you know, I kind of liken not having a budget similar to walking into a grocery store without a list when you're hungry. <laughs> and we all know how that goes, right? right? You just start pulling stuff. Oh, you know, these Oreos look great and the chips are wonderful and let's get some iced tea and before you know it, you're in checkout and you don't have any staples, you know, you haven't taken care of, you know, you end up having scurvy in a couple of months, you know, there's no vegetables, there's no protein, you forgot you were out of salt. So <laughs> there are all these things that you don't account for and then you get home. And like I said, you know, then you start bringing in all these other health ailments because, mm-hmm. or you're eating out because you right. realize you didn't make it, you didn't buy anything for salad and, and right. you know, there's no dog food, what have you. So you need to have a plan and you also need to, with that plan, you also need to have an understanding of what are your tax deductions? If you own a house, are you maximizing your tax deductions? That's where you kind of get out of doing your own taxes. And maybe you go to H&R Block. Maybe you go to Jackson Hewitt. You seek out an independent accountant, somebody to help you have a better understanding. Are you taking advantage of all of the areas? And this is a little bit more of your wheelhouse, James. 
Yes, it's so it's so critical that just going back to to the, the budget and the power of the budget. Uh, I remember at um, one of my churches that I attended in the past, I, I actually taught a, a class called Common Sense Finance. Mm-hmm. And two things were very, very alarming. Number one was the lack of participation in the class. It was a free class that we that we offered in a decent sized church. So the lack of participation, number one, and number two, when we would go through, it was about a eight to 10 week course or so. And the First sessions were just based around stewardship and understanding who the money belonged to, if you will. And then the last couple of sessions were where we got into budget. And that's when those that did participate, a lot of those would fall by the wayside and wouldn't wouldn't complete the class, unfortunately, again, because for some reason we have it in our minds that budget is a bad word or something like that. But it, yeah. it is critical to all the points that you made to have a budget. It's like a map, a game plan, a financial roadmap, if you will, for helping us stay on track and accomplish the things that are that are important and making sure that we're taking care of the immediate needs in our household. And then going on to this next point in terms of having your tax preparer, CPA, enrolled agent, whatever the case may be, making sure that you're communicating with them on a, on a, on a regular basis can't stress that enough. It's not some, unfortunately, again, so many people, and I, I know you've had the same experience, Camille, clients of yours yeah. as well. Once a year, they, they go to that, that person. Well, okay. Yeah, that, that is, that's okay. If you're not doing a, a whole lot and it doesn't even have to be some major advanced transactions, but just having that ongoing dialogue with your tax preparer in terms of you might be about to make a large purchase, for example, yeah. What, how is this going to affect me in terms yeah. of in terms of taxes and yeah. planning for that? Or yeah. you might be planning to do a, a distribution yeah. from a uh, an IRA account. How is this mm-hmm. going to affect me? And so having that having that relationship with your tax preparer is is critical. Yeah, and I think you know you you bring up a couple of good points, and that is um, we're seeing uh, you know as we're in this. Um, uh, you know, this letter K type uh, economic uh, situation, mm-hmm. meaning that people who are in uh, professional positions um, are doing much better. People mm-hmm. that are in blue collar uh, positions aren't doing as well. So the people that are in the professional positions that are working for companies that have stock options. I've had a couple of people that are working either with Netflix or with Amazon that are that have stock options and those companies are doing well. And they're mm-hmm. using that money, uh, they're exercising those options to be able to buy a home, which is awesome, right? I mean, you don't want to say it's free money, but it certainly is an opportunity for the company to have been able to help you be able mm-hmm. to buy a house and contribute a larger down payment. But what people don't understand is you need to be in tandem communication with Mm -hmm. your tax preparer, because even if you think you have accounted for the tax deductions that are going to occur from exercising those options, Mm -hmm. trust me, there are still other tax uh, uh, expenses or liabilities that you could be responsible for that you did not account for, which could then affect your buying power or how you're going to utilize and spend that money. So, um, you know, to your point, 
and I tell people this all the time, because for me as a mortgage planner, I'm not, I don't like to do this alone with my clients. I encourage Mm -hmm. them constantly talk Mm -hmm. to your financial advisor, talk to your tax preparer. This is a joint effort. You Mm -hmm. buying a home is not just about the lowest interest rate and the best deal. It's going to be what is going to create the best terms that are going to meet both your short and your long-term financial goals. Absolutely. And maybe pulling more money out of this account may not be the best thing because now you're going to increase your uh, tax liability. You might get a a smoking interest rate, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. if you're going to get hit with $30,000 worth of taxes afterwards, was it really worth it? You know, Exactly. exactly. And then uh, we have to make sure that that people understand mm-hmm. all all aspects of mm-hmm. the transaction, and that's one of the things that I that I enjoy so much about working with you. And mm-hmm. that you mentioned that again, you partner with your with your client, you partner with them, and, and help them through the the process. I'm the same way. In, in other words, I'm all about education, like we're doing right now, sharing mm-hmm. with people. But the bottom line is, my my client, and and again, I'm sure you feel the same way. The clients that we're fortunate enough to work with are are not just a commission to us. There's so there's right. so much more than a commission to us. It's a it's more of a crusade, if you will, yeah. to to help these people to be effective and to be be prepared and to be in in uh, helpful positive situations for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So just coming back to the budget for a moment, um, you know, and again, you know, using my own real life examples, um, as I began to look more and more at establishing the budget, particularly, you know, like I said, for, for myself, um, mm-hmm. who is on a variable income structure, I don't have a set salary, you know, I don't know that I'm going to be making five, six, seven thousand $7,000 every month that I can, mm-hmm. you know, very, very boringly say, okay, this is my set budget, right? Mine varies month to month. Um, and so, uh, with that being said, you know, there are things that I remember when I was looking at Susie Orman's information, she was saying one of the things that's really important when you're putting your budget together is to prepare for that discretionary and miscellaneous spending because mm-hmm. it's going to happen. And I think that's the biggest thing where people fail is that miscellaneous spending and they're mm-hmm. not realistic about their miscellaneous spending. And once I wrapped my head around that, and I began to have, you know, like that real conversation with myself mm-hmm. and said, okay, look, the kids are going to ask me, you know, at a whim, mom, can we go drive through McDonald's, you know, to go get Happy Meals, whatever it is. Can I go to In-N-Out? There's going to be those nights that I'm not going to want to cook and I'm just going to want to pick up the phone and call Domino's. It's mm-hmm. real. It's going to happen. I need yes. to account for that. Yes. Um, but then also I need to account for, the contacts that I buy and how much that's going to cost, you know, uh, hair products, all of those, you know, getting my hair done. These were all things that we look at. And when people are putting together a budget, they usually are only looking at those fixed expenses, rent, car, groceries, utilities, and they don't put enough and they're not being realistic Um, And the way that you find out about it, you know, to Susie Orman's point, she has you, I think it's about three months. She Mm -hmm. tells you monitor your spending for like, don't change anything. Just Mm -hmm. monitor it for three months. You know, a lot of the everybody's for the most part online banking. 
And so most of the online banking institutions allow you to download either into some type of a budget software, or you can just download it into Excel and there's Google Sheets. So that's free. So everybody has access to that. Download it into a spreadsheet and, you know, take a minute, categorize it. Okay. How much did I spend, you know, at the drive-through this month? How much did I spend on groceries? How much was, did I spend at 7-Eleven? Like once I, cause for my kids picking them up, you know, we were on, we're commuting back and forth. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of it was. It was picking them up from school. Mom can right. stop off at 7-Eleven, you know, <laughs> kind of grab a couple of chips and a soda or whatever. Yep. It was once I was able to identify that, then you start planning. Then you start going to the grocery store and you pick up some little bags of chips and you have some water in the oh. car and you yeah, go, no, right. we're not stopping off at 7-Eleven. I got you covered. Yes. Hang on, yes. pop the trunk, take your pick, you know? And yep. so when you start to, and the only way to identify that type of spending is really where you start. You have to have honest conversations with yourself. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also the other component of that, and we've alluded to it before, but just to reiterate, having the right mindset, we have Mm -hmm. to be in the right mindset Mm -hmm. to sit down and and map these things out. It might seem tedious. It might seem unnecessary. However, when I sit down with clients and and do a a complimentary financial needs analysis Mm -hmm. and I show them after the, the data that they share with me and I show them, okay, well, look, based on what you shared with me, you have this amount of discretionary income available. Is, is is that what you see? And they're like, no, I don't see that. I see way far less than that amount because they didn't include all those other little things that, that add up on the side. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and then from there, um, like I said, just like you, you know, if you're somebody who, I mean, I'm not a big online shopper, I could care less about prime day, but Mm -hmm. you know, even if you're somebody who you're trying to get your spending out of control, under control, Mm -hmm. it's not about depriving yourself. It's just understanding of spending within your, your, your means. It's just like dieting. You know, if you don't give yourself a cheat day, you're never going to have success. If you don't give yourself money to, you know, set aside a hundred bucks for if you see something on sale, you, you give yourself permission to buy it. You give yourself permission to go have drinks, you know, with friends or buy a Mm -hmm. bottle of wine or whatever, because Mm -hmm. if you don't, you're never going to hit your goal. And with that, you also have to set aside those unpredictable expenses. So we talked about that emergency funds. We talked Mm -hmm. about if you're on the side of the, you know, you're driving and all of a sudden you pop a tire. Mm -hmm. Now that's what that emergency fund is for. As you're setting aside your budget and you're working on your debt consolidation, you want to look at that discretionary spending and start to set aside 20 bucks every month if you can for knowing, okay, next year I'm going to have to buy a full set of tires. You know, the, the tires are only good for five years. I'm at year mm-hmm. four and a half or whatever it is. I know I'm going <laughs> to have to buy some new tires, right? If I scroll away $20 a month now, I might not hit the $600, $700 that I need mm-hmm. in six months, but at least I only have to come up with another hundred, a couple of hundred dollars, as right, opposed to right. trying to figure out where the heck am I going to get $600 for a brand new set of tires? And, and you keep, and you rolling around on, on, on May, what we call May pops. They may <laughs> pop at any time. <laughs> Never heard that. <laughs> Ooh, May pops. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, we want to cut down on the number of surprises. Um, and that just comes back to the financial health. The more prepared you are, the less anxiety you're going to have, 
the better your health is going to be, the more prepared you are, the more at ease you're going to be, you know, you're going to reduce your hypertension, you're going to reduce your stress, you know, which leads to all of these other physical ailments, you're going to have a better relationship, you're not going to be constantly saying no, you know, to your partner, to your kids. I mean, I would, I would, I, again, you know, using my own experience, I feel like you're going to feel better about yourself. You're going to have That's it right there. Book. You're going to, you, yeah, exactly. You're going to feel yeah. good seeing that extra money, seeing the, the fruits of your labor uh, of being in the right mindset and, and committing to doing this. You're so right. At the end of the day, when you come around after six months, uh, a year, whatever the case may be, and you see, oh, wow, I have an extra, right. extra amount of money. That, that is a really good feeling. It is. Absolutely. It definitely is. So um, I think that kind of does it for us for today and understanding how to put a budget together, what's being realistic. You know, I think that you kind of got from this. This isn't about, you know, pulling out your spreadsheet and write the numbers down in this column. And this is how Mm -hmm. much you should have, blah, blah. It's more understanding the thought process behind it, um, where some of the pitfalls, how you can help overcome that. Um, and the importance of having it and what the, the positive that you're going to, you know, takeaways that you're going to have from establishing that budget. So please, you know, definitely reach out to us if anybody has any questions. Our contact information is in the body of this podcast. Thanks again for joining us. We're looking forward to the next episode and good luck. Good luck. Stay focused. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Have a good day. <laughs>